picture and probably yours too would have to be David. David, the great psalmist, the greatest king Israel has ever had. David, a man whose life is so colorful, uh, they should make movie after movie of the different chapters of his life. David is so critical to us as people of faith that his name is recorded in the Bible more than 1,000 times. If there were one city on the planet that would be the capital city of the entire earth, it would be Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is known as the city of David. Last week we looked at uh, 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 one chapter in his life. How that he, with a call from God and an anointing in his life, a destiny to be the future king of Israel, was fighting for his life. He was on the run. King Saul was still in power, but he had become yesterday's man. And David would soon sit on that throne. Saul was jealous and put a, a bounty on David's head. He was out to hit him, kill him. David was on the run for 12 years. David, who was a great warrior on the battlefield. David, who had killed tens of thousands of enemy soldiers in battle, now had been reduced to just 600 men remaining loyal to him. And they were hiding from cave to cave for 12 years, running for his life. At the end of 12 years, they were exhausted and depleted. When they went back to the city where they had left their wives and children and all of their possessions. And when they got back to that city, they saw that the Philistines and the Amalekites, all of the armies, plural, of their enemies, had raided that city, torched it, burned it to the ground, and had taken all of the wives and all of the children, all of the livestock, everything of value, all of their families, taken them away captive. They were at the breaking point. They were already depleted and exhausted. And now this. Have you ever been at a place in your life where you felt like you've suffered so much loss already? And then you were blindsided by now this. On top of everything else. That small band of loyal friends of David, 600 by now, turned against him. The Bible says they were bitter of soul. And they rose up against their leader, David. They were so distressed and now utterly defeated at this tragic loss that they wanted to stone David. Now, it got from bad to worse right there. Last week, we looked at what David did when he had reached that breaking point. David, the Bible says strengthened himself in the Lord. We talked last week about the times in our lives when we reach a place of utter defeat and total loss 
And it seems that everybody's against us. And unless we know how to strengthen our own self in the Lord at those times, we're down for the count. We're out. There are times when you will face such times of loneliness and defeat and distress. You can't get your pastor. You can't get your spouse. You can't get your BFF to come to your rescue. And it's at times like that that you must know how to strengthen your own self in the Lord. David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And by way of review, before we go on today, I'll simply remind you of the four disciplines we looked at last week. These are natural applications when you are all alone and distressed and facing such great loss and you need to strengthen yourself. Here's how you do it. Number one was the discipline of simplicity. David reached a point to where he had to simplify things. He had to get back to the basics, find out what's really important. Our lives are so cluttered, we're so distracted with so many different things we could be doing, but when you need to strengthen yourself in the Lord, you find out that only one thing is necessary. That's what Jesus spoke to Martha. Martha, Martha, he said, there's only one thing necessary, and that's hearing my word. You get back to the basics. Paul said, this one thing I do. Hey, if you have faced a tragic loss lately and you feel like David did on that day, then you need to get back to the one thing that's necessary. The only one thing you really need to do. In the Amplified Bible, Paul said, my determined purpose is to know God intimately. That's the one thing, the discipline of simplicity. Secondly, we talked about the discipline of silence. David had to find a quiet place. He had to find a place where he could shut out every voice that was screaming to him from the crowd every voice but one and that's the voice of God the Bible says be still and know that I am God some of us will never be able to hear God speak a fresh word until we silence the other voices screaming from the crowd thirdly the discipline of solitude this is how David strengthened himself this is how we do it the, the discipline of solitude. This is when you find yourself alone. You enjoy being alone long enough for the maximized benefit of solitude. This is where soul searching happens. This is where inner battles are fought and won. While you and God are alone together, the Bible says, let a man examine himself. That happens in a place of solitude. Jesus spoke to his disciples and said to them, come away by yourselves to a lonely place and rest a while. So there's the discipline of simplicity, finding out the one thing you need to do. The discipline of silence, being still so that you can know God in a fresh way. The discipline of solitude where you examine your own self, search your own soul and make an adjustment there. And then fourthly, the discipline of surrender. 
David reached that place where he just completely and totally trusted God for everything. Surrender. As long as there's a struggle, you have not surrendered. But the safest place in the world is the place where you surrender everything to the Lord and trust the Lord completely, knowing that nothing under His control can ever be out of control. So now, we covered that last week. Today, we pick up from where we were. David, defeated. Everybody around him, bitter of soul, wanting to kill him while he knows, I have a destiny yet to fulfill. And he strengthened himself in the Lord after that great loss. Today, we look at what happened next. And it will happen for us when we strengthen ourselves in the Lord. I'm talking to a room full of people today. Many of you have lost some things. Some of you have lost uh, in the employment arena. Some of you have lost in marriage. Some of you have lost in another relationship. Some of you have lost financially. Some of you have lost in physical health. Your health has been diminished. It's not what it once was. And the cry of the Lord to many of us today is find the place where you can strengthen your own self in the Lord. And then this is what happens next. In 1 Samuel 30 and verse 8, after David had strengthened himself and pulled himself back up by the bootstraps, verse 8 of 1 Samuel 30 says, so David inquired of the Lord. Now, it's interesting that David didn't ask the Lord anything up until now, during this chapter of his life. David was so weary and so weak, he didn't even have enough strength to inquire anything of the Lord until he first strengthened himself. After he had strengthened himself, then he was able to ask the Lord for something. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And God answered him and said, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Now David was at that moment where we have been Many times, and perhaps some of you may be there right now, he was at a crossroads. He was uh, so defeated in the natural. Uh, his vast armies and all of his military accolades now were a former thing. And uh, even what few little soldiers were left on his team were bitter against him and wanted to stone him. Everybody around him was hurting. He had suffered huge loss. He was at a crossroads. Should I just throw in the towel? Should I count my losses? Should I just expect the rest of my life to be no better than this? Should I get used to the fact that my best days are behind me? Oh, I had a good run. It was great while it lasted. I know what it's like to be on the mountaintop. Thank God for the memories. 
but should I just cave in? Or shall I take back what was lost? Shall I accept this defeat and give in to failure? Write everything off as a total loss. Should I let the enemy have the last word? Or is there another option? So he asked the Lord, shall I pursue? Can I overtake them? And God answered and said, pursue and recover. That's the word for many of us today. We are entering now a season of restoration where we pursue and recover. A season of restoration. If you look at God's calendar, which sees a little bit of time, a few thousand years, notched out of all eternity, then you can see that we are living in a generation where God is restoring. Israel was homeless. They had no home country for thousands of years, and it was in some of your lifetime, 1948, where after thousands of years of God's people being homeless, Israel became a nation. It had been prophesied by prophets from a thousand years, many thousands of years ago. Restoration of Israel. That means so much to the church in our day. The answer came back, pursue and recover. Solomon said, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Now's no time to give up. David got the word of the Lord. Never allow a failure to be the last thing you do. All of us know what failure is like. David, just for that one moment, was at the crossroads. He was almost ready to let failure be the last thing he was famous for until he strengthened himself and inquired of the Lord, is there another option other than absolute failure? Yes. Pursue and recover. You're stronger than this. This shouldn't be the last thing you do. Failure can be nothing more than a footnote if we get back up. Now, uh, the Bible says, in fact, Solomon in Proverbs, uh, David's son, the wisest man that ever lived, said that the righteous may fall seven times, and seven times the Lord helps him back up. The Japanese have a proverb. Now, they're not biblical, but I think they stole it. But the Japanese have a proverb that says, fall down seven times, stand up eight. That's the Japanese. I think they've been stealing from Solomon's wisdom on that. Paul knew what it was like. He said, I am cast down. But don't count me out. I'm not dead yet. I'm not destroyed. And all of us, learning from David's example here, we have the power to say after a tremendous loss, this is not how 
my story will end. Some of you need to say that today. Here I am. I've suffered some loss. I know what it is to taste failure and defeat. I know what it is to have others who used to be there for me now are absent. I know what it is to feel all alone in the face of utter failure. But this is not how my story will end. Now, some of you may relate to this. I want to encourage you based on the model David has given us here. When he went from total failure, utter defeat, all alone in this world, nobody to help him, and then he strengthened himself. He took responsibility to rise up from the ashes of that defeat by himself. With God's help, he strengthened his own self in the Lord. And then asked of the Lord, isn't there another option other than staying here wallowing in defeat and failure? Yes, there is. You can pursue and recover everything. You got to pursue, but you can recover from this. You can recover from this. I believe there was a moment of a turnaround. It had to be that way for David. For 12 years, he was looking over his shoulder uh, for fear that King Saul and his armies were on his trail and would kill him. Twelve years he was hiding from this cave to that cave. Twelve years running from an enemy. Going in this direction, running from an enemy. Finally, so defeated, so distressed, ready to just give up. But he inquired of the Lord, is there another option? Does it have to end like this? He heard God say, pursue and recover. All right. He had gone in this direction for so long, running from an enemy, running from... There comes the moment of a turnaround where David stopped running and pivoted. Now, he's not the one being chased by an enemy, but the moment of the turnaround, the enemy has served notice. Uh Uh-oh. I'm not chasing him now. He's after me. Today may be the moment of a turnaround for some of you who are defeated and fatigued and exhausted and depleted of all strength. Realizing, oh, a new day has dawned. This is a season of restoration for me. I can go after the enemy who's stolen from me, and I can recover everything that's been lost. My story does not end where I am now. You can put the enemy on the run. There was a song we used to sing in in the early days of our church. Uh, You may remember it. I went to the enemy's camp, and I took back what he stole from me. I'll tell you where I think in this story the turnaround happened. It's just me. This is just how I feel about it. David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue? And the Lord sent back word immediately, yes, pursue and overtake them 
and without fail, you will recover all. I believe the turnaround, that, that moment where David had been running from the enemy for so long, and then God, God spoke something to David, and it made him turn around instead of running from the enemy. He was ready now to go chase after the enemy and take back. I believe the turnaround, the moment of the turnaround came when David heard God say two words, without fail. I'm glad the Lord threw that in there. Without fail. God said, yes, David, pursue the enemy and overtake them, and you will surely, without fail, recover all. What would you? attempt to do to your enemy, the devil, if you knew you could not fail. I'm glad. I, I believe that was enough right there. Uh, now, all of the word is good. Pursue and recover is good enough. Pursue and recover all is even better. But when God threw in these extra two, were pursue and overtake your enemy, and without fail, you will recover all. I believe that just pushed him over the edge right there. Everybody say, without fail. without fail. I don't get you to talk back to me usually. <laughs> Generally, I work alone. But when there's something that good that you need to be saying, yes. say it again, without fail. Without fail. Ooh. <laughs> there's a military term. Robert... I didn't even expect to do this, but would you come up here? I want you to demonstrate a military. This is a military soldier. This man bears in his body the marks of fighting for our country. You can do this. Come over here. Get right up here where everybody can see you. All right, let's see. Uh, why don't you face that way? Just face that way right over there. All right. This is a military soldier. This man has been trained, and he's been to war on the battlefield. Thank you. Thank you. So he knows what to do when he hears this military command. Notice he's facing in a direction. Here's the command. About face. Boy, you did that real good. I think he's done that before. Thank you, Robert, for more than that. Thank you for your service to our country more than anything else. Robert Turner. David, being a soldier, a warrior, a leader in battle, knew how to do that. He heard a command from heaven when he inquired of the Lord, shall I just stay here until I die like this? Or does my story have to end this way? God said, pursue, overtake your enemy, and without fail, you will recover all. It required David make an about face. Some of you need to turn 180 degrees. 
Now, some of you may be just one or two degrees off course. Some of you may be in the opposite direction. You need to make a complete and total about faith. Some have been running from the enemy so long you forgot how to pivot and make an about face and go after that enemy and without fail recover all. Behave yourself on the front row right under. You're having way too much fun on the front row. Def- definition for about face. The act of pivoting to face the opposite direction. A military command to turn clockwise 180 degrees. And then I like this definition for our purposes this morning. About face. A total change of attitude and viewpoint. That's what some of us need. A different perspective altogether. A new filter. God's filter through which we can see the way it can be. The way God wants it to be for us. If we're willing to make an about face. A total change. David the guy who heard the Lord say, stop running like this and, and go chase that enemy that's been chasing after you. About face. Turn around and go in the opposite direction. Pursue him for a change instead of running from him. This is the same David that faced a previous enemy, a giant, Goliath. And here's what many people don't understand about the challenge to conquer a giant and all of us have giants how do you kill your giant most of us miss the simplicity of this one thing David had done as a boy in 1 Samuel 17 and 48 David was facing the giant the giant was huge and David was a boy the giant was covered with protective armor David couldn't even fit into his. The giant had weapons in his hand that could kill man. David, that little boy, just had a slingshot and a rock. Most damage it could do is skip on the water if you angled it just right. Maybe hurt a fish if the fish got in the way. But the Bible says this about David. David hurried and ran toward the giant. Imagine what was going through Goliath's mind. But that's the secret. You don't tiptoe around an enemy forever. You draw a line in the sand. You make an about face. And you shock the hell out of your enemy. That's all right now. <laughs> somebody, somebody just woke up right there. Uh, you see that enemy? You turn. I mean, here, here's, here's David. I mean, I mean, I have an imagination. Here's David. Oh, I'm so tired. Twelve years have been running, twelve hiding for my life, running for my life. Twelve years. Oh, oh my, oh God. All right, I'm going to strengthen myself. I'm going to get back to the basics. I'm going to 
do away with every distraction except the one thing that's the most important, the only important thing, this one thing I'm going to do. Lord, I'm going to shut out every voice but yours. I'm going to be still until I know your God. Lord, I'm in a lonely place. Nobody here but me and you. If you don't help me, nobody can. A lonely place. And Lord, I surrender it all to you. Twelve years of running, I'm exhausted. Everybody else is against me. I don't want it to end this way. Is there an option? Shall I pursue the enemy? Yes. Pursue him. Overtake him. And without fail, recover all. And about that time, I can just see. I, 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 I have an imagination. I can just see David opening his eye. Turning his head back a little bit, looking over his shoulder where that 12-year enemy had been chasing him. And I can just see David with his whole body just standing up and pivoting, about face. And catching eye to eye with the enemy. And imagine what the enemy did. I don't even want to act like that. I don't even want to act. I have an imagination. I can only imagine the expression on the enemy's face. When he saw David, he thought was down and out for good. When David got a word from God, was strengthened in the Lord and rose up from that place of being cowered over and made an about face and turned around and locked eyes with that enemy, with that, with that stare that said, I'm coming after you to get everything you've taken from me. Steven Spielberg can do the movie. Now the season of restoration. Look at your losses. All of us have them. All of us have suffered loss. Some of us may be depleted and totally weakened. Coming off of a fresh loss. But it's the season of restoration. It's time to pursue and recover. In Acts chapter 3 and verse 21, speaking of Jesus, it said, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Jesus was on earth 2,000 years ago. Heaven had to receive him back. And he is being kept there on hold until the restoration of all things that God has spoken to. Has God spoken anything at all to you from his word, by his spirit, all your lifetime accumulative? Has God spoken anything to you concerning restoration? Well, it all must be restored before Jesus can come. Heaven is holding him right now until the times of restoration of all things. Jesus is not coming back for a puny, pitiful, weak, afraid church. He's coming back for a church that is the most powerful it has ever been in the history. 
He's coming back for a church that has gone into the enemy's camp, pursued the enemy until we overtake the enemy and, and recover everything without fail. Then Jesus can come back and we can be his bride without him being unequally yoked. I'm excited about it. Just one thing a prophet said, the prophet Joel God speaking through this great prophet, I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten. The crawling locust, the consuming locust, the chewing locust. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be put to shame. The prophet began by saying, I will restore to you the years. Now, hey, I'm just a natural man. I don't like to be too uh, spooky, super spiritual. In fact, I don't think I ever am. Uh, but this is interesting. Even if you've lost your youth in God, it can be restored. He renews our youth like a young eagle. I will restore to you the years. Some of us need to make an about face and run it and take back some years. Get back some of that youthful vision and energy. We don't have to let this be the end of our story. The restoration of all things that the prophets have spoken. We're living in a day when we could see the fulfillment of every detail on that. The restoration of all things that the prophets have spoken since the beginning of time. That's in Joel chapter 2 beginning at verse 28. The Amplified Bible says it this way. God says in the prophecy Joel gives us, I will, I like this. I like this word. God said, I will compensate you. For the years the locust has eaten. Now, when you look at Scripture and consider the subject of loss, Job is the poster boy for suffering loss. Here's a man who suffered the loss of everything in his life in one day. And yet the Bible says in Job 42 and verse 10... That the Lord restored Job's losses. It says, indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Job 42.10. God said, all that you've lost, I will compensate you for it. I love compensation. Divine compensation. It more than makes up for every loss that I've had. But now, I play a part in it. We must pursue and overtake and without fail recover all. Pursue and overtake and without fail recover all. Would you stand with me? I'm going to ask the prayer team to come and, and find their place at the front of the uh, auditorium here in just a moment.
we'll dismiss. And many of you who have needs in your life, you've lost something you need to recover. We're going to give opportunity for you to receive prayer. Some of you are suffering physically in your bodies. You need to come in just a moment and, and recover some health that you've lost. Some of you in a relationship, suffering loss. Some of you at the job, wherever you are, whatever loss you're dealing with, this is the time to make an about face. Pursue and recover all. Do it without fail, the Lord says. Father, thank you for the word of the Lord that reaches us like a lifeline in an ocean. We lay hold of this word. We pull this word into ourselves like we would grasp a lifeline thrown to us while we're fighting the depths of the sea and our life may be at risk. We receive this word and pull it into ourselves. Our life depends on it. Thank you for the men and women who have an ear to hear what the Lord is saying. Lord, our cumulative losses, we've lost so much here. We've got to get back something we've lost. And so we have strengthened ourselves now like David did. And today we inquire of the Lord just like David did. Should we just throw in the towel and let this be the end of our story? Or do you have another direction, another instruction for us? And we hear heaven speak. Yes, pursue Overtake your enemy and without fail, recover all. Thank you for the season of restoration for this house. And thank you for the instruction to pursue and recover. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Lights up.